Pastor Neely was right. You do look good. <laughs> uh, go ahead and grab a seat. It's great to be with you tonight. My name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team, and I count it an especial joy. I count it a great honor to be able to spend Christmas Eve with you this evening. So, so really, really glad that we get this opportunity. You know, all month long, uh, there, there's this pressure that seems to go with the holidays. And I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if it's just this season. It feels like every single year, Christmas just ups the ante. And there's more pressure. There, there, there's more tension inside to, to, you know, get the parties done and the gift shopping done and make sure that the meals are all perfect. And really that is, that's the final pressure is we feel like we've got to make everything perfect. I don't know if we can blame it on advertising or marketing or if we should just blame it on Crate and Barrel and Pottery Barn and Pinterest, but I feel like there's all of this tension around the holidays to make things perfect. And I know I'm not alone in this. I've had many conversations with so many folks at Overlake. For example, we feel this pressure to make the perfect meal. We want it to end up looking like this kind of a spread, but instead it ends up looking like this. Mmm, mmm, delicious. We also feel the tension to snap the perfect Christmas portrait this picture is a catastrophe. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, it's perfect, right? I apologize. Seriously, I told him puns were not a good idea at Christmas. But uh, the other pressure that we feel is to give the perfect gift. Like this sweater to that new mom in your life. But it's vitally important that you make sure you give the gift to the right person. <laughs> Very awkward to have to take it back and give it to the right person. Now, we've asked our kiddos a few questions this Christmas season, and there are some kids in our ministry that have really good ideas about the perfect gift. Go ahead and watch this video. What is your favorite thing about Christmas? Pink chocolate. My favorite thing is putting ornaments on my pink tree in my room with my comfy bed, my pink pinky and my blanket, and my tree can light up with my Christmas lights. What goes underneath the tree at Christmas time? Because what I want for Christmas a guitar. I, I, I broke my microphone, so I need a new one. Were you karaoke too hard? I, I wasn't doing that. I was hitting it on the wall. I don't think that's what you're supposed to do with the microphone. What are you asking for this Christmas? A pink pony with a skateboard and a purple pony with a skateboard with sparkles on it. I'm asking you for a guitar. I want a Barbie. What's a Barbie? It's like a doll. I don't understand. What are you getting your parents for this Christmas? A new Bible book. And what color is that Bible going to be? Blue. Purple. Purple. With pink, pink. on it. Pink sparkles. Sparkles, yeah. yeah. I'm getting my parents 
two guitars. So you're asking for a guitar for yourself and you're getting your parents two guitars? Because I have, I have one grandpa and one Mimi. What is the perfect Christmas gift? My perfect Christmas gift is all the presents. Things that they want. I think they want guitars. All the people want guitars. Guitars. All the guitars. Have you ever been to Guitar Center? I did. So then is Guitar Center kind of like Christmas land? No. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best gift that you've ever gotten? Donut. A lollipop. I like a big guitar. We've got that. <laughs> and the argument that we'd like to make tonight is that there's something more powerful, there's something more essential than the perfect anything, and that is to be present, to be mindful, to be engaged in the moments that God is providing us. You see, despite what is portrayed in catalogs and advertisements, the first Christmas was not perfect, at least not in the way that Martha Stewart would describe. And, and the problem is that the first Christmas, 2,000 years ago, it's so far removed from us today. It, it took place in a distant land, and so, so the, the location and the people and everything, it's taken on this mythic quality. It's been separated from us by 2,000 years of poetry and candlelights and, and, and hymns. And, and so it's really difficult for us to recognize the reality in the story. For us, you know, everyone has halos and, 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 and even the animals are swaying in time to celestial music in the first Christmas. And and yet that's not the way that the people would have heard the story when it was told in Jesus' time. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to present the nativity to you in a way that is really similar to the way they would have heard it in the first century. Because I want it to be real to you in a way that it was real to them. I, in the fact, in the way that it is real to us today. So... In order to do that, I need to read a story. This is a story that, that we've written, and uh, it's a bit of a tradition here at Overlake. In fact, I've been asked several times this month, are, are we going to read a story at Christmas Eve? And the answer to that question is yes, because I'm a really good reader. So this is the book Northwest Nativity. And it is available in the hallway as a last-minute stocking stuffer, if you have a really large st stocking. And it goes like this. Imagine that once upon a time, not so very long ago, a miracle happened. A baby was born to a young virgin from Kent Meridian High School. I know what you're thinking. That's impossible. But the Bible makes it clear that nothing is impossible with God. In fact, that's exactly what the angel announcing the miracle said. Nothing is impossible with God. Her name was Maria, and she was a caring and compassionate junior on the honor roll and involved in student government. She was seriously dating Joe, a sophomore at Cascadia Community College. He was close to getting his AA, and he worked part-time at Shucks Automotive. 
He was good with his hands. He was kind. When Joe found out that Marie was pregnant, he was hurt. They were in love and talking about getting married when Maria finished school. She explained to him that she didn't have another boyfriend, that this was God's baby, oh, and also the savior of the world. He wondered if it was time to get on the Oprah Winfrey show. But then in a dream, an angel who looked like Richard Sherman visited him and told him, don't even think about being afraid. In movies, angels often look like Barry Gibb in a bathrobe. But in real life, they are strong and fearsome holy warriors causing grown men to require diapers. Joe was told to man up, that Maria was telling the truth, and that God really did love the world enough to save it. This was all God's plan, the dreadlocked angel said. The baby's name was to be Jesus, for he would save people from their sins. So Joe and Maria stayed together and decided to get married right away. The birth happened the following winter in a trailer parked at a Walmart in Olympia, where Joseph and Maria had gone to report for jury duty. Because of the monster truck rally at the Tacoma Dome, all of the hotels were booked solid. There were no witnesses unless you count the husky and cougar who arrived to lend a protective eye over the child. This birth was a miracle. Why? Because the husky and the cougar weren't trying to kill each other. It was peace on earth. Later, angels announced Jesus' arrival to security guards working the night shift at Nordstrom's. With umbrella in hand to fend off the December drizzle, an angel who looked like Ann Wilson of heart proclaimed, this is good news of great joy. A happy, handsome angel wearing a number three jersey audibled, it is for all the people. Go see now, blue 32, blue 32, hut hike. Instantly, an angel choir appeared singing glory to God to a Macklemore beat. So they went, they huddled up around the trailer and took a knee and worshiped. Later, Bill Gates, Paul Allen, and Howard Schultz showed up, bringing gifts of upgrades, stock options, and a pound of Arabica Bold. Governor Jay Inslee inquired of the wise men where this baby was and what his political affiliation might be. Snow began falling softly upon the trailer at Walmart in Olympia, all over the Northwest, and Maria treasured all these things in her heart. She knew what God had told her, that Jesus was to have a nickname, Emmanuel. It's a special name that means God is with us. And as Maria held Jesus tight, she smiled at Joe, and she knew more than she'd ever known anything else that God was with them, with us. He still is. The end. Now, it sounds so shocking to our ears. It, it, it's the way that it would have sounded in the first century. Familiar and yet completely unexpected. God with us like this? And the answer is yes. Amazing, mysterious, miraculous. The perfection of God has entered into our imperfection. That's what we see with Emmanuel. And he is here tonight. God is with us tonight. He, he's closer to you than your own heart. And he comes not offering guilt, bringing no manipulation, no condemnation, just an invitation. Just a savior born in a trailer park who knows exactly how hard life is. Who knows exactly how you feel. 
You see, Jesus' birth means God is with us. With us in a general sense, like we are gathered here together, we are with one another in this place tonight. But with us in a deeper theological sense, as in, I am with you, man. I am for you. I have your back. That's how God is with us. And he proved it by coming in the person of Jesus. You see, God's perfect love has broken into our imperfect world. And maybe this seems a little bit tough for you to believe tonight. Maybe that's because it's been a while and you have spent some time wandering from God. Maybe it's tough because you look out at the darkness in the world around us. You see exactly how hopeless things can seem. And it's difficult to believe he's with us. Or maybe you look inside into your own life and you see that there are parts of your life that are spinning out of control and, and you wonder, could it really be true? Friends, I, I turned my life over to Jesus 25 years ago. And it was a season in my life where things were hopeless. So hopeless, in fact, that my future looked completely dark. And it was in the midst of that moment, in the, in the midst of that kind of imperfection that the light of Jesus came. Jesus showed up in my life and I have seen God in the 25 years since show up again and again and again, redeeming me and restoring me, healing me and forgiving me, loving me consistently. I've been the pastor here at Overlake Christian Church for 11 years and in that time I have seen that story repeat itself hundreds and hundreds of times. In fact, right now, this room is filled with those stories. Stories that could raise a hand and say, I attest that God is with us. And friends, that's why we're here tonight. That's why we're present this evening. What we're trying to do is create enough space on Christmas Eve to allow ourselves to be reminded of this incredible truth that God has loved us enough to come near. We create space enough to remember that he has not abandoned us in the darkness of this world, but he has sent his light to us. Emmanuel also gives us permission to be free from the burden of perfection. And the reason is because he is the perfect one. He brings the perfection. We don't have to, to be perfect. He brings his perfection in the midst of our imperfection, in spite of our imperfection. He shows up. He loves us, and his grace is covering us. And what that means, there are some profound implications of what God with us means. For example, one implication is that living in the moment is far better than capturing the moment. And we see this in the person of Jesus. Jesus was absolutely present in his moments. We see it in the way that he interacted with people as we read through the story of his ministry in the Gospels. We see that, that he valued people. He honored people. That even just a momentary interaction with someone was so profound it could create a memory that would last 2,000 years. We see it in the way that he listened to the words that people said, and in the same way, he was listening to the cry of their hearts. 
No, Jesus, he didn't worry about capturing the moment. And it's important for us to remember that in, in this day that we live in, where we want to capture every moment. We're a, we're a selfie kind of a world. We're an Instagram kind of a culture. And, and yet Jesus shows us there's something more important than capturing the moment. And that's actually living in the moment. The next thing that God with us brings, the implication is that the best gift you can give is just showing up. And so we see this again in the person of Jesus where he showed up again and again. He brought his care again and again. He brought his love again and again. I found this quote from Simon Wheel. It says, attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. And that's why we choose to be present. Because that's really the rarest and the most precious gift we can give. And that's the gift that Jesus has brought to us. We experience it when we can be present, when we can be with, when we can be connected. And so I want to do this little exercise right now. I want us to focus on being present in this moment. I want everyone just to take a deep breath. You're here. You're in church. It might have taken you a lot of effort to get to this place. If you got young kids, you were wrangling them, trying to get them in the right clothes, trying to get everything pressed and polished and out the door, and you've arrived. You're here. Some of you, you gave up coming to church on time a long time ago. As long as you're here by the ending song, that's all you want, okay? And you're here, and, and this is a moment where God is trying to communicate his love to you. You see, he loves you. Absolutely, he loves you in this moment. And not only in this moment because you're in church, but he wants to get your attention tonight. He wants to communicate his love for you. You see, he has prepared so many things in advance for you. He prepared sunshine. He prepared laughter. He prepared cozy firesides and our tongue's enjoyment of hot chocolate and marshmallows or hot apple cider with whipped cream. He's the one who prepared us to experience joy, to celebrate peace, to remember golden moments in our, in our, in our lives for a lifetime. He's the one who's prepared all sorts of blessings for your life now and for a joy-filled eternity. And he did this by preparing a nation, Israel, and preparing that nation to receive Messiah, his son, Jesus. And he did this through prophets. Uh, many of you know this, but in the Old Testament, there are over 300 prophecies that speak to the coming of Messiah. They talk about Jesus hundreds of years before he was born. And it's as if these prophets are trying to say, get ready Prepare yourselves, Messiah is coming. God's light will invade this darkness. God's love will take a tangible form. Messiah is God with us. And at Christmas, we celebrate the gifts that God has given. We celebrate his love tangibly expressed. We celebrate the grace that he offers us. In fact, Look at this passage of scripture. It's from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. It says, so we praise God. That's what we're doing here this evening. We praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. That's Jesus. 
He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. That's what we celebrate at Easter. But before Easter comes Christmas. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Friends, as you look at that passage, you see that God has prepared some incredible gifts. He's offering these incredible gifts for you and for me. The gifts of his grace, the gifts of his freedom, forgiveness, kindness, wisdom, and understanding. And it helps us to remember that Christmas doesn't start with the gifts that we give. It starts with the gifts that he has given to us. And because he has done all of this preparation, friends, there's not a whole lot of prep we have to do. And here it is, Christmas Eve. And you have already done all kinds of prep work this holiday season. You, you have already gotten everything prepared, all the gifts, all the meals. You've, you've done all of the prep work. And I do just want to say, if you aren't prepared by now, it's too late, okay? You're out of time. But I just want to give you this good news. It's this, that, that there is one thing, and I would say this is the essential thing that we have to prepare. And it doesn't take any time at all. We can do it right now where we are. And that is the challenge to prepare him room. Prepare him room. It's a lyric of a song we sang earlier from a hymn called Joy to the World. And the reason why that lyric is in there, the lyric, let every heart prepare him room. The reason why it's in there is because 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born into this world, there was no room for him. Mary and Joseph, they were a, a pilgrims of a sort. And they had had to leave the town where they lived in to come to this town of Bethlehem to register. And they were not alone. There were, there were many, many other families doing the same thing. And by the time Mary and Joseph got there, 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 there were no vacancies in the hotels. All of the inns were full. There was no one to welcome Jesus into this world. And so Mary and Joseph... They had to find a place. They found a stable. Most scholars believe this was a cave that had been converted. And it was filled with animals. And that's where they took shelter. And that's where Jesus was born. The king of the universe. Born in a cave because there was no one to welcome him. No one had prepared room. And so we have a chance to do that tonight. That we prepare him room in our hearts that we create space and, and we give him a place of honor inside our lives. And, and I just want to say this. You don't have to buy anything to do this. You don't have to go anywhere to do this. You don't have to bake anything to do this. You don't have to wrap anything to do this. This is something you just do by talking to God through a prayer. And you might want to pray something like this. You, you might want to pray, dear Jesus, I make space for you in my heart tonight. Jesus, I do this by trusting you. I want to walk in your love. I welcome your light into my life. I believe in you, and I receive the gifts that you've prepared for me. And I just want to say that the words themselves are not as important as the posture of our heart, that we would be sincere, that we would be humble, and that we would, by faith, that we would trust Jesus and welcome him into our lives. The second way that we can prepare him room is in our celebrations tomorrow. 
Yeah, as you get ready to open presents, as you get ready to eat great food, as you get ready to enjoy time with family and friends, that you would make sure that you provide a space for Jesus to be honored, for Jesus to be glorified, for Jesus to be celebrated. Because after all, it's his birthday that we're celebrating at Christmas. So prepare him room. Prepare him room in our celebrations. Prepare him room in our hearts. And when you do prepare room for Jesus, you will experience something that is absolutely beautiful. You're going to experience this joy. And it's just pervasive at this time of year, but, but it gives us an opportunity to repeat the sounding joy. Again, that's another line from that hymn, repeat the sounding joy. And, and it's just such a beautiful thing for us to remember that God loves us enough to come near. Jesus loves us enough to save us with his love and with his nearness. And because Jesus has come near, because God is with us, we have hope for tomorrow. We have joy for eternity and we have strength for today. All of this is because of Emmanuel. You see, Jesus is the one who binds up the brokenhearted. Jesus is the one who comforts the widow Jesus is the one who receives the stranger. He's the one who heals the hurting. He's the one who loves the unlovable. We are never truly alone, friends, because of Emmanuel, because God is with us. And the advent of this baby, the arrival of this Jesus means that joy has the loudest and the longest note, that the final song to be sung in the universe is a song of joy, that no matter how dark the darkness may seem, it cannot last because the dawn is coming sure. And the pure, lovely, wonderful joy is sounding throughout the universe. And so we embrace this joy. We embrace the joy that comes from living a with God life. We experience joy in how we live and we experience joy in how we love. And we make sure that those that are in our lives know the source of our joy is Jesus. This is the song that is reverberating throughout the universe. This is the note that is just peeling from the deepest depths of the ocean to the highest heights of the mountain. It is sounding from the clatter of rivers and through the piping bird song and through the laughter of children. And so with fields and floods, with rocks, hills, and plains, we get to repeat the sounding joy. We get to join in with the song of the universe. And so friends, that's my encouragement tonight that we would choose to prepare him room in our hearts, that we would choose to repeat the sounding joy, and that we would choose to be present with the loved ones that God has placed around us. Friends, if you choose to do these things, you will give the greatest gifts that it is possible to give, and it'll be a good Christmas. So why don't you do this? Bow your heads and close your eyes, and let's pray together. And Jesus, what we pray right now is a prayer of gratitude because we know that Christmas starts with the gifts that you've given. And primarily the gift that you've given to us is the gift of yourself. You have come near. God is with us. And so right now, Jesus, we want to respond to your gift by preparing room in our hearts for you. We invite you in by faith. We place our trust in you. We believe that you are who you claim to be, 
We believe that you bring incredible gifts of grace and love. You bring mercy and kindness. You bring freedom and light. And we receive those gifts in our life by faith. We ask that you would allow us to repeat the sounding joy as we share with those who are in our lives how much joy we have. As we share with those in our lives the reason for our joy is you. And finally, Lord Jesus, we ask that tonight, tomorrow, the rest of this holiday season, that you would allow us to be present. That we would be able to really care for the people that you've placed in our lives. That we would really listen to conversations. We really engage and care because that's the kind of care you showed us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.